truth in his heart. I am your host, the incomparable Rob Blake. I like to give myself new superlatives, new details. Uh, today, I'm back in Philly for an interview with a writer, performer, and creator from uh, Stores, Connecticut. Stores, Connecticut. Huh. Yes, indeed. Um, currently based in Philadelphia, um, he is the author of Thoughts and, pa- and Prayers. Thoughts and Prayers, a full-length book, um, a book-length sequence of poems uh, centered around gun violence in the United States. Please welcome Owen Elphick. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. And, you know, I think... You know, as I gave that and I fumbled through that introduction, because um, <laughs> I got to be honest about it. It's all good. I I see that there are, you know, you're multi-hyphenate. You have multiple mm-hmm. things. So it's not yeah. just writer, not just performer, not just poet, not just creator, but you're doing multiple things and each one gets their due. So before we kind of like dive into your work and the, the thinking that goes into it, mm-hmm. um, I want to do, I want to ask you something that either you're going to be terrified of or you're going to go <laughs> on for a while about. I want you or to both. Sh- <laughs> or both. <laughs> I want you to share your story. Give us the, uh, the Owen Elphick story. Um, could you tell us your first art experience? Um, any early writing, um, some of your influences, things of the sort. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with regards to like the the writer, like being multi hyphenate, like yeah. writer, perf- writer, writer, performer, and creator are like the broadest possible terms <laughs> I've just managed to find for all the different things I do because <laughs> uh, it, it's a lot. Uh, and uh, but but yeah, I mean, uh, but I, I I sort of consider myself a writer first. I guess my sort of first experience with writing. Was actually, I mean, it was even before I could even write. I mean, my, my parents always read to me when I was a kid. Like, I, I grew up in a house with a lot of appreciation for books, and I loved reading when I was young, um, and and like ha- like a really insatiable love of reading. Um, and I have like a very distinct memory of being in, like, must have been kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I think I was. I think I must have been like five. Um, and I was reading a picture book. I don't remember what the book was. I just remember there was a ballerina in it. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was reading this uh, like this picture book about a ballerina, and I remember getting sort of hit with a realization of like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to like make this, yeah. I, or or like more broadly, like I want to give people the kind of experience of like wonder that I'm getting through reading this. Yeah. I want to. I want to sort of be able to do that and that like that's what I want to be and then I sort of was like oh I, I, I defined myself as a writer pretty pretty like uh strongly throughout throughout most of my childhood when I was young and again like I mean at the point at which I was like I want to be a writer for the first time I couldn't write I didn't like I, I literally wasn't able to so what I would do was I would take um I would take like pieces of printer paper and I would fold them over into books, oh. like into little books. I'd staple them together, yeah. right? Like I would, I would do that whole thing. Sure. And then I'd like draw pictures in, but then I would dictate the story to uh. usually my father. It was usually, it was usually my dad who would have to like write out uh, whatever like story was coming to my mind and that I wanted sort dad, of put take out. This on note. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it was sometimes it was a teacher when you know in kindergarten preschool, and then I like learned to actually like write for myself, and and then. Uh, I could stop <laughs> yeah, yeah. putting on there, but yeah. But I think I mean I've always I think I've I was always as a kid like really drawn towards like making up stories and playing pretend and 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 then writing was sort of the first form where I was able to channel that into a specific 
uh, like dedicated thing that had sort of drive behind it um, and purpose. And then like as I got older, I just sort of found that uh, there were like so many other ways to be a writer and that like writing took so many like so many other forms than I had sort of initially thought. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, this picture book or oh, this like this like middle grade fiction read. This is this is sort of uh, like these are the only things I'm reading. So this is the only thing there is. But then I got older and like found out that like, you know, uh, TV shows were written, right? Right. Like that there was a person writing the dialogue that the actors were saying, uh, that there was a writing process that went into making songs, uh, that, that plays were written, that, that, you you know, all these things. And, and I think like that led, uh, you know, as I got older and my, my interests sort of diversified, um, I, I kept just finding sort of new things to be excited about and, and, and sort of new ways to, to focus and, and channel that writing. Um, poetry was definitely a big one. You know, when I was in, I, I would have started writing poetry in like a more concentrated way when I was in middle school because yeah. there was like an assignment to do that. And, um, but I found it at the time to be right, like a very good way to like release a lot of the angst and <laughs> that that teenage angst is oh my uh, goodness is is always there. And I, I will say that I did a lot of writing, uh, like writing as in rapping, uh, writing yeah. uh, short stories, things of the sort. Um, when I was in like uh, high school, like like, yeah, like you know being a teenager, not quite like. You know, like early high school, like sophomore, maybe up to maybe up to junior, but yeah, really, you know, just having different thoughts and processing like different things that you're experiencing, just different changes you're seeing, socializing with so many different people who For are experiencing sure. their changes as well in life, and just like getting it down on paper. Yeah, and pouring I that out. regret. I, I don't want to look forward to like looking at any of those old books. <laughs> well, I think I mean I think that I, you know there's definitely a lot of stuff that I wrote when I was young that I wouldn't like put out or stand by now, but yeah. I, I still am proud of that and I, and, I, and and I'm glad that I did it and I think I think that process of creation no matter what you're making it, it, like is still very meaningful and mm-hmm. and still leads to a lot of uh to, to good places down the line. And yeah, I mean, so I like you know, I was a in in school, like with poetry, I, I did right. I did a lot of poetry, sort of, in terms of the writing focused stuff. Um, like late middle school, going into high school. When I was in high school, I participated in this thing um, called Poetry Out Loud, which is sort of like a national national competition uh, where people recite poetry. It's not your own poetry. You 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 find like uh, it's up to three poems. Uh, that have been written by other people and then you have to memorize it and then mm. recite it. Yeah. Um, and and then you're judged on your performance and how well you recite the poem and stuff. And I um, I did it my junior year of high school and I ended up being state champion for my state, for, for Connecticut. Um, and then I went on to the nationals and ended up being in sort of the finalists there. I think it was like the top nine people. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I didn't win, but it was, but it was like a very, it was a very, it was, it was, because it was my first time doing it, it was a very like sort of wild roller coaster experience of like going through all, going through this, this competition process and, uh, and then having a lot of opportunities then extended to me after that, um, for my own poetry and being able to, to sort of, uh, you know, ha- like f- focus on my own poetry and, and have people, uh, 
elevate that and publish that, and, and that was really cool. Um, the other thing when I was in high school is I was also just like a huge, huge theater kid. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, I was a choir kid and I was a theater kid, and, and you know, being in theater, acting, but also like, you know, I, I, I wrote a play that I directed my senior year of nice. high school. I was, I was very, you know, sort of focused on, on sort of doing all the sort of different bits and elements that, that came with that. And then, like, m towards the end of high school, going into college, I sort of fell in love with hip hop, and uh, and I had I mean, I I had done songwriting for a while. When I was in like fourth grade, I wrote like the lyrics to two of the songs we did for like our school musical, okay, and that was like a whole thing. <laughs> so so like I I'd done songwriting for a little while. I did songwriting in in middle school, um, uh, and, and and I definitely thought of myself. In, in terms, I, I definitely thought of like writing lyrics and writing songs as like an extension of the writing, but that I think took on sort of a, a bigger focus and form with finding rap and yeah. and discovering a passion for that. And when I was in, and you know, for for a little while, I was like, "There's no way I can possibly be a rapper. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just going to write these for myself and and keep it to myself and not not sort of do that in a real way." But then I got to college, and I would have been halfway through college, um, like would have been junior year. I I sort of joined slash sort of helped build sort of build back up from the ground up an organization called the Hip Hop Society yeah. um, which had sort of existed in my freshman year but then died when the people running it graduated mm. um, and then a, a new group of students decided to bring it back and, and they recruited me and I was very sort of involved for like the last two years I was uh, at college with that organization which involved right like a lot of building the organization up and a lot of sort of production stuff and, and things like that. But also, you know, we were making music and I was <laughs> recording some of that music and being on some of that music. Uh, and that, let, you know, just led down to me making my own music and, and releasing that. And I've been, I've been working on that. Um, the sort of main project I'm in the middle of right now is finishing up a, a sort of a full-length body of solo music, nice. uh, which I'm scared to call an album, but I guess is an album <laughs> and should be coming out later this year. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of like, and but also in college, you know, in addition to the to the rap music, I was I was also doing plays. Still, I was still you know doing theater. I was in an acapella group. I was writing. You know, I, I went to school for writing. <laughs> I was I was I was a creative writing major. I you know I I thoughts and prayers. Yeah. The, my, my sort of poetry book that you mentioned that was published my last semester at Emerson by an organization that's based at Emerson mm. um, called Wild Press, um, who it's it's like it's student run. Yeah. Um, and they they publish student works at Emerson of like 50 to 80 pages um, and like make these like little books. Uh, and then all the proceeds for that go toward charity. Um, and uh, and that was a thing that I had you know, because because I was in the writing program and like around writing people, I had sort of had my eye set on oh, I want to get something published by them since I was like, since I was a freshman and had and had submitted to them multiple times, but but my last semester at Emerson I was doing that. So I was, so I am I am definitely a person who. <laughs> I've described it like to other people and to my therapist, right? As I, I'm definitely someone who's inclined towards like, uh, having a lot of things on the stove at once, usually no, more it, than yeah. I can handle, yeah. um, but. Um, but like just doing a lot of, uh, of, of things at once and having my sort of interest and passion for creativity, like going in a lot of different directions. And, um, and I think again, like it, the, the sort of best summation I, I have for it is again, like I'm, I'm a writer first, 
I love writing. And I, again, like, I, and I write a lot of different things. I also love performing, and I love like taking the stuff I've written, or sometimes the stuff that other people have written, and, and performing it and bringing yeah. it into a space where I can sort of share it live with other people. Um, um, and yeah, I, 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 and and I just again more more broadly, I love I love creating, and I love like making stuff with with other people and, and with myself. And I, I think like, again, that sort of playing pretend yeah. aspect of it is, is very much at the root of it for me. Is like, I, I like that. I, I, I've, I've always sort of loved being able to, to sort of, um, you know, play, play pretend. Like, like I think as an adult, I'm sort of trying to do what I did when I was a kid in terms yeah, of playing yeah. pretend and making up stories. But now it's just in a different sort of context and in different forms and yeah. and in some situations for money. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not making a lot of money doing it right now, but like, but but yeah. But I think I think that's the thing that I think a lot of creative share, like you know, being able to kind of tap back into you know some of that like almost childlike wonder or what have you of like mm-hmm. I just want to create man and mm-hmm. when the money component which is a necessary conversation um, is brought in I'm like I don't want to do it but you're like you got to because paint costs things paper Absolutely. costs things uh, rent costs money Absolutely. Uh, and like I, and it's definitely been a thing I've been like struggling with and thinking about more this year like is like like artists deserve to be paid for their work. Is yeah, I think yeah. the other big piece of it, right? Is like I, I think, I don't think that we we may get into this like into the conversation later yeah, on. Yeah. But it's like I, I think our society does a very bad job of supporting artists and supporting art mm-hmm. and and providing resources for art. And I think broadly speaking, society doesn't really see art as real work. And I think that that mm-hmm. can lead to a lot of problems in terms of you know. Um, feeling you know so so often like doing creative stuff and doing art can can be framed as a thing that that people are only allowed to do as like a hobby or as a side thing um it's a discretionary income thing that, yeah. that people kind of look at it as and which kind of kind of brings it up to this this question that i have um mm-hmm. and i think i think i have an answer already based on what you said <laughs> but you know so i'm gonna frame it a little differently why does cr- human creativity matter like why is it important you go into mm. a community or what have you obviously like Philadelphia is known for its murals, its public art, things of the sort. And I I think from my standpoint, and and I'll I'll let you, you know, chime in here, but I think from my standpoint, you go to a place that doesn't have any art, that you can't see anything, it just looks a little too sanitized, looks a little too Mm -hmm. banal. I'm like, I don't think anybody's here I want to hang out with. That's literally my (laughs) thinking. No, for sure. And you go to a place that looks unique, has design, and you're like, oh, okay, what kind of people are here? Let me investigate. Let me explore. I think art leads to exploration. It leads to conversations. But to your point that you were touching on, if we're not funding that sort of thing and that sort of creativity, then we're kind of cutting it off. But but I'll digress. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think uh, ultimately... My opinions on this change all the time, right? But sure. I think ultimately what I'm settling on these days is like human creativity matters because survival is insufficient, mm. right? It's not enough for us to just survive and just exist, right? Like I, I've been thinking about this particularly recently with, with the pandemic and, and sort of having to, to live through that and, and, and all the ways that that's affected, right? Like everyone, but also specifically creators. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I think art, I think art, and, and creation, like, is the site where a lot of people find what is worth living for in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can take a lot of different forms, right? Like, it's, it's can, it can be uh, 
inspiring questions that we need to be asking. Yeah. It can be providing solace. Um, it can be, you know, like having difficult conversations, but it could also just be distracting you um, or, or distracting is maybe the wrong thing, but like it, it could even just be giving you you know, something something else to focus on other than the horror it's a of the world. It can be yeah, a respite, it's a respite. Yeah. It can be a place, yeah, it can be a place of sort of soothing. It can be a place of wonder. It can be a place of awe. It, 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 it provides, like, the, the sort of um, the substance and the meaning that I think allows a lot of us to... To, to continue on. And, and I think, you know, even people who, who don't create art, who, mm -hmm. who, who aren't sort of engaging with art, definitely see that, right? Like, everyone's got their TV show. Yeah. Everyone's got their music they love, right? And that's, I think that's essential for, for everyone, whether you're making it or not. And the other thing, too, I think, with, with creativity more broadly is that creativity doesn't just necessarily apply to art, right? Like, human creativity, yeah, yeah. F like, fuels, that's, you know, that's... that's Invention that's uh, create, creative problem solving. Yeah, I, that's I, I think entrepreneurship. We, that's yeah. cooking. That's I think you know, we've bifurcated in some instances how we look at it. Like we start looking at it in the silos. Like this is an yeah. industry, and it's an excuse not to fund people who are doing stuff. And to yeah, yeah, they've passed a certain like choose your venture like trial. Like oh now <laughs> yeah. now you can have some money to work on the thing. So like I think right. I think about this right when. Someone is working on, let's say, a movie, mm -hmm. and they've art. They, let's say they're. I've done all of these art movies. These are kind of oriented movies. These lower budget, but it's like passion project. Sure. And it's like now I can do a Marvel movie, and you're doing a Marvel movie to fund the art project that you actually really want to do. Mm. And and that's that's kind of the thing. We we do it, we do it in a way almost that we want to connect commerce to creativity, mm. but the people that have the resources don't have taste or knowledge of that area in many, or get taste at least yeah. in that instance. Yeah, and I think it's also a thing, right, where like... That was really spicy, by the I, way, for me. <laughs> no, no, but you're not wrong. I mean, I, I, you know, I think Marvel movies have their place, and I yeah. think I think art, you know, I think, I think th that sort of creation is important too, but I do think there's this thing of like, you know... So again, like bringing it back to like, I, like I, I think part, a big part of the problem is we don't treat creativity and art like it's real work, right? We don't view that as as actual labor that is worth yeah. that's worth paying people for in the way we do, say, for I don't know, like lawyers or doctors. Not that those you know professions aren't aren't worth that. It's just it, it's just like we don't we don't treat an artist, you know, we don't we don't treat artists who put, the, put sort of put the time into and the and the labor into to making something. Uh, we, we we sort of don't view that as something we need to pay people for it regularly or, or, or give people sort of affordable jobs. For and that's because, like, right, as a broad society, we haven't invested enough capital generally mm -hmm. into um, the arts. And what capital we have invested is concentrated in some very specific zones, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's all funneled into Hollywood. It's, you know, you mostly, you, you don't get access to sort of the kinds of resources that would really allow you to, to make a living unless you're working on sort of very big projects or, or projects in very right. specific sort of sectors of the industry. Um, and that creates, I think, like a scarcity model um, for a lot of us that makes it much harder for us to actually do what we need to do. Because, because I, I think a, a lot of the time that can lead to, you know, it can, it can sort of distort your sense of, of why you're making the art yeah. and what sort of art you mm -hmm. need to be making uh, and, and what matters in terms of of that art you're making. This, this is all stuff like I've been thinking about a lot lately because it's sort of central, a lot of sort of the central themes to the project I've been working on to the, to this album I have coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I think that's, I think, yeah, I think that scarcity model really makes it hard for us to feel like, 
uh, like the work we're doing is supported. Um, and, and that means that it's hard to then trust in that work. Uh, it's hard to do that work in a way that isn't, uh, you know, that isn't sort of split up and focused on, oh, do I need to be like making stuff that the, the largest number of people were like? Do yeah. I need to be, you know, aiming for like fame or vi virality? That's the big one for me that like is, I think is really tough is like so often artists, like the, the, the model of success that we present to people mm -hmm. from like the youngest age is success for an artist yeah. as like, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, like doctors and lawyers are allowed to have just like a steady full-time job yeah. and, and they're good and they've whatever made it. And mm -hmm. that's, that looks like success for them. For artists in this society, we have always, maybe not always, but, 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 but at least when I was growing up, like that, that was always framed. It always seemed like the only way you could have like a regular proper job and, and be supported and be allowed to do your art was if you got famous or it, it always had to be concentrated around this idea of celebrity. It's, it's kind of this thing where, cause, cause I had, I got the piece of advice when I was younger, mm -hmm. like I wanted to go into comics. Oh, don't pursue that. There's no money in it. And right. it's like, okay. Or have cool. a backup job. Or have a backup job or I, and I think it's similar in this regard where let's say you, you do an apprenticeship as a painter or something on those lines mm -hmm. that to me, feels akin to when someone's in residency. You're not making the most money, but you're in this period where you're learning, you're having exposure. Mm -hmm. Residency is considered, you know, something that leads you to where you're going, you know, as far as like sure. a doctor or what have you. Uh, uh, as far as being an apprentice, oh, you're just wasting time. Yeah. And we, we don't value that. And it's like, how do we, we do that? And I, I've juggled with that as well, kind of being in this space, uh, being in podcasting and doing it for a very long time, right? right. And, you know, yeah, having people who, and I try not to be petty about it, but, you know, you get sensitive about your things. Like, of course, of course. Someone, oh, but you ever think about doing it this way? It's like, that's not what I'm doing, though. Yeah. Like, you know, you ever think about scaling it or having a barbershop conversation? You, you want to do, like, the <laughs> breakfast club or you want to do something like LeBron is doing? No. Sure. I want to talk to people who are doing interesting things and really kind of get to their story, get some of the granularity, what's baked into the ideas yeah. of their work versus, you know, let's just do something for clicks, and this is going to be petty. Let's just hand someone alcohol and have them talk the truth. Right, exactly, which I, I think, you know, and obviously there's, there's a whole other aspect of this conversation yeah. of, like, how the Internet and social media have, yeah. have impacted yeah, yeah. the industry and the way we sort of consume and, and interact with Art, right? Like it's it's not sort of focused around art anymore, is it? It's focused around content. It's a it's content creation. It's a yes. And I think that that's like another big piece of like it, yeah. It, it makes it very hard to sort of know, you know, what you ought to be doing and how you ought to be, f you know, focusing your time. I I think about this with the music a lot, right? Like I, um, I, I have had. With, with like with the rap and with with making music, like I've had to spend a lot of time on social media, right? Yeah. Like I've had to spend a, like you know because because a lot of where the 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 audience for music mm -hmm. and a lot of a, a lot of the networking that you do, a lot of that is generated through social media. That's the, yeah. that's sort of the main place where you can where you can sort of do that work. That's how we got um, connected. I think absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think I think that that's um, I don't know that that's if it's that's that's straightforwardly bad, but I, I at least, like, my brain is not wired in a way where social media is, is I, I'm not good at social media. Like, social media is no. not the, the thing I want to <laughs> be. Not either. <laughs> and, and even if it were a thing I were good at, like, it's not the thing I want to be focusing my time doing. I think a lot about, like, the amount of time it takes me to make a reel, oh right? Gosh, yes. You know what I mean? And, and how, you know, like, the, like, 
li- literally sometimes like the hours that can go into into that process um, that I could have been spending making something and right but 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 I spend that time on the real right so that I can have an opportunity for anyone to even see the thing I'm creating right and so that's mm-hmm. like I think that's the hard balance is like you know you you want to be able to to generate an audience and you want to be able to reach people because yeah. I, I, I you know and I think I think some people make art just for themselves and they create just yeah. sort of for their own their own value and and that's that's perfectly good and fine too I think that's that's Great, but but if you're, but at least if you're in the position I'm, in, like I, like I, you know, I want to reach people. I want to, I, yeah. I want to have an audience. I want to be able to to connect with people. I don't know that I necessarily want to be famous. Uh, I think that's, I think for a lot of reasons that's a very dangerous sort of path to oh, to go down and a dangerous thing to pursue. Yeah. But I do want, you know, to to be able to have my art touch people and for it to to. Yeah make a difference for people in the way that other people's art made a difference for me. And so then it's hard, right, like to, to do the work that's involved with reaching out to that audience while still remaining true to yourself mm-hmm. as a creator and staying true to to the to the work yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of creation. Yeah, I, it's I, hard. So I want to tap on one thing, and then I want to move to this, this question because mm-hmm. I have a question about thoughts and prayers. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I find, and, and you may find this the same way, where I think it's always this kind of, and you touched on it a second ago, it's always this sort of trade that mm-hmm. we're doing for whether it's resource, whether it's exposure, you're trading, yeah. whatever that time you're invested in putting together a reel, whatever that time you're invested in being part of a cohort and spending a couple hours per week, you yeah. can be putting that towards something. You yeah. know, you make art within the time that's allowed, right? So if, let's say, one of the parts of like the actual conversation, I, I get a feel of the person, and then you probably notice this. My questions start going out of the way, and I just start like kind of free jazzing it or what sure. have you. And that's then that's the way that ultimately that's what one is aiming for. But one of the hardest things for me to do is spending like two, three hours at times researching a person, coming up with questions that I think are insightful, and I think are meaningful, and you know if I'm doing a class that kind of we might have some money for you after you do this 38 hours or what have you. Yeah. Or if you do this, if you do that, here's a hoop for you. We may be able to pay you for the time that you don't already have enough of. For real, it's yeah. It's a trade. Absolutely. I mean, as a person who is, like, fairly existentially fraught on a regular <laughs> basis, right? Like, yeah. I <laughs> I mean, time is such a, a valuable Resource and it, and there's just not enough of it, mm-hmm. no matter who you are. And I think uh, uh, you know, so it's it, you know it's a complicated thing. Like as a person who does a lot of different things, I never have enough time for any of the many things I, I want to be doing. You couldn't give me enough time for all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's 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 so much I want to do, and there's so much um, that I feel like uh, matters to me. And it can be very hard to to sort of feel like. I'm splitting myself so many different directions and not being able to. You're horcruxing yourself. Yeah, right. Well, and it's, but <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And and but I but I think it's it's like the 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 problem is is like you know y- yes there will never be enough time to do all the things I want to be doing, um, but it's also I think a problem where like things are not set up in the first place uh, to give artists enough time. Right. Yeah. Like we're not. It, it, you, you know, like it's like, should I be working on this reel, or should I be working on this song, or should I be working on this poem, or should I be working on this, you know, this book, or should I be working on, you know, the, there are all those things I, I could be working on, and none of them are paying me, <laughs> right? Like, so, so that, so there's like, there's that element of like, I'm already like split all these ways on things that are not actually paying my rent. <laughs> 
right? And so then I still have to have a time, like a chunk of time taken out to actually go to my real jobs <laughs> yeah. and actually earn money. And and you know, there's not. I li- I like my jobs. I like the jobs I do for money. Like I'm I'm fortunate to be able to to like work pretty good jobs. But yeah. but it is right. I you like know the what I mean? Like it's really like it's like we're we're so you, you know there's there's so many you know sort of I th- I think a lot of the ways in which the systems are set up do not. Uh, enable people generally to live their best lives. Um, But specifically in this case, like I don't think we, we empower artists to feel like they can spend their time in the ways that matter to them. It's something about that, that uh, nervous, that anxiety ridden energy that just makes the art. So I I don't know. Absolutely. (laughs) No, it's, and and it's, and it's tough. I mean, I, I think particularly I, I struggle with this a lot too during like you know, going into and going out of the pandemic, right? Yeah. Like before I went into the pandemic, I was my last, like I graduated from college December of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and that last semester I was, uh, I was, you know, working on an album and yeah. running an organization yeah. uh, for, with, with the, the hip hop society stuff. I was working for multiple literary magazines. Yeah. I uh, was working on a book. I was working on thoughts and prayers and, and trying to get that out. I was finishing up my, my thesis, both for my BFA, but also for the honors program that I was in. Mm. So that's like two completely different separate right. papers I had to finish. I was, uh, also, you know, working my job that and paid me living as a human being, living as a human being. I was doing an internship f- that would hopefully lead to other. So I was, I was just, I was going like a million miles an hour and doing so many different things yeah. all at once. Um, and then, and then I graduated, and then like two months later, the pandemic happened, and, and then I was stuck at home. And that's why I think like having strategy. Like I had this, you know, yeah. in doing this, like, um, you know, I'm up here doing three interviews today, right? Yep. I have one when I get back, and then a meeting for a gig that I'm doing, and then a meeting for two gigs that I'm doing on Saturday, mm-hmm. and yeah. with Gosh. the day job and all of that, and even putting it out there where. You know, I've mentioned this a few times, you know, we're recording this um, in in November. And at this point, I have kind of an episode per day going out for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I I saw that on your on your stream. (laughs) I was like, that's crazy. How are you? I mean, yeah, that's that's just kind of what it is. And, you know, when you when you're you're working at it, it's it almost turns into an obsession. The thing, the thing that you're working on. But and and I want to and I want to move into this question about um, thoughts and prayers. But. It's almost like anything that gets in the way of that, there's almost a certain degree of spite towards it. It's like, Mm. I want to keep doing my thing, like whatever it is. It's like if I can get paid and I'm good, if I have like, you know, if I'm flush with Hot Pockets or whatever someone eats, I don't know if the kids eat these days, (laughs) uh, but if I have everything that I need, that's, you know, to me, if I'm a creator, if I'm a painter, if I'm an artist, I'm a writer, what have you. Yeah. That's the cost for me existing to to make this this work or what have you, and it's almost like you right. have to have a chance encounter to find someone that is ha- going to have that value, going to have that taste, it's going to have that ability to connect you to someone that might be able to find you funding, might be able to find you a brand. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean that's a whole. I mean, there's there is always that sort of right, and, and again, that's what happens when when there is a scarcity model, right? You yeah, have yeah. To, you have to rely on luck to get. What is view, again? What is viewed within the industry as a kind of success, right? You have to. You, it's like you have to be very talented, and you have to work very hard, and you have to get lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and 
And the other, uh, and I think the thing is, like, we shouldn't be having to rely on chance and luck that much. You know, we shouldn't be having to be so sort of. And you have to be super ambitious too. Like exactly, if, if you don't have it, like, yeah. like you know, being able to do this much content and having this idea, as I was, you know, telling you why I'm up here. Yeah, that to me, you know, six months ago, a year ago. I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't even Absolutely. be thinking about it in this way. So I need to even come with something that feels unique and having that strategy. And, yeah. you know, as a person that's like my day job, I'm in data. So I'm always thinking strategically to mm. how do I make use of this 24 hours to try to mm. get the most stuff done? And also having this thing in the back of my head. And I, don't, I don't know if you encountered this, but having the thing in the back of my head of I'm not going to always be this ambitious or my oh, life yeah. isn't always going to be coordinated in this way oh, that yeah. I can do 18 podcasts in a week. Oh, yeah. I'm terrified of that. I mean, I think I I, um, I definitely... I, so, yeah, I mean, like like sort of what I was talking about with the pandemic, right? Like it was like going from doing a million miles an hour to doing absolutely nothing <laughs> and feeling like I couldn't do anything right. and not knowing how to do anything. And trying to reframe my relationship around work and how hard I was pushing myself and how many things I was making myself do and how healthy that was for me and and you know I, and then I think the challenge coming coming sort of onto the other side. I mean, the pandemic is still going on, but but yeah. but coming into this space right where where things are opening up more and people are going out more and and more things are we're doing more things this year in particularly for me. I've been I've just been doing a lot more stuff. Um, I have I have definitely been trying to find a way to to go back so that the balance is a little more even, right? Um, and 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 where, but it's hard. Like I like I I find that I slide very easily back into again putting too many things on the stove. I got too much yeah. stuff cooking at once and not being able to focus on and and certain things are burning and you 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 lose track of certain stuff because there's only because the other thing is like even if we were well supported and even if there was a <laughs> there was a good support system for for the kind of stuff we're trying to do and even if it was valued. You're, you're only human. You can only do so much, and I yeah. think that's really hard when you are super ambitious and when you want to to um, accomplish so many different things. And and yeah, knowing how to how to prioritize your time and knowing how to how to to me and also like and also in my case, I I think the thing I struggle with is like feeling like that time is guaranteed. I don't I don't really yeah. have a lot of um, it's it's very I, I I think the time we have here is very precious and uh, limited and. Uh, and I think that that can make it hard for me to sort of reassure myself that like, you know, oh, it's, you know, oh, you'll always have a chance. You'll have a chance to do this yeah. later. Oh, th th this is going to work. And to, to sort of your point about like, oh, I'm not always going to be this ambitious. For me, it's also a thing of like, I'm not always going to be able to like, you know, I, like, you know, the, 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 I'm scared of like settling or like settling into a point where, where I'm just sort of stuck into doing one thing yeah. or or where, because of certain obligations or responsibilities I have, I have to to do that, and, that, and that's going to limit and cut off me being able to do other stuff that that is valuable to me. Um, and to some extent, that's that's just going to be the reality of it. But I but I also I also want to be able to to I think I think it's important to know what matters to you and know what what to prioritize yeah. and know and and then be able to take the sacrifices that come in with yeah. you know that's I'm going to spend my time this way. I'm going to spend my time. On, on, on this thing, and you know, maybe I won't have health care, <laughs> or at least maybe maybe I won't have have health care as soon as I as I ought to, um, right? Like, and, and again, that's the other thing. Like, it's it's little stuff like that. Like, our country doesn't sort of have things set up in a way where 
where sort of basic life is supported. The, yeah. the like, and there, you, you know, you know, you. Why do you have to get a job? You have to get a job because a job will provide you with health insurance. Why do you have to mm-hmm. get a job because a job will provide you with health insurance? Because we have a system set up in this, in, in this country where it's almost impossible to get health insurance that is decent it. unless you're getting it through a job. Um, and so, and, and right, and that makes it hard. That's another pressure. That's another it's constraint. Maintenance. <laughs> exactly. And I and 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 I think there's there, so so. So it's not just an issue of, you know, oh, oh, I'm limited in, the, like, one individual person is limited in this way. That's definitely a case. But, again, I, I think there's also, like, big problems with the word world we're living in and the society we're living in uh, that, that, that makes those issues that would be hard for, like, individual humans harder. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in, on that. So in talking about an issue that we have in this country. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. Talk, let's talk about thoughts and prayers a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, being that gun violence is a, mm-hmm. um, is, is, is American pie. Uh, we love gun violence here. Because uh, we, we don't see, surely do. Because we don't seem to do anything about it. And um, so why, why was that like subject matter theme, so on that, resonated with you that you're like, all right, I want to put something together. Like, what what was the thinking that went into Thoughts and Prayers? Yeah, I mean, I think, so with Thoughts and Prayers, like, I started writing the poems that would end up turning into Thoughts and Prayers shortly after the Parkland shooting happened. So this would have been about 2018. Um, I was, you know, I was in college and the Parkland shooting happened and that was a very big moment, right? March for Our Lives happened and and there was a lot of focus around the issue and gun violence had, had been a thing that I had sort of thought about and, and felt very, um, concerned about and connected to for, for a while. You know, I grew up in Connecticut. I remember when Sandy Hook happened. Uh, you you know, I, I remember what a big impact that had. Um, and, and sort of all this, the, the sort of stuff that happened there. Um, but it was also stuff like, you know, I think I, 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 I sort of, I, I don't know that I love describing it this way because it feels a, a little too, um, you know, you, why did I write thoughts and prayers? Because I felt like I had to, I just, I just, I, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, it, it just felt like. I needed to write those poems for myself. Yeah. It wasn't, I, I don't know that I initially thought about it in terms of it becoming a book or in terms of it becoming no, a whole no. thing. I just needed to have some way of sorting out my feelings around that issue and and feeling like I could do something sure. when, right, like in the wake of these these mass shootings and, and this issue, it, it often we're, we're struck with a feeling of like hopelessness, like there isn't anything we can do, like there, there's there's no way forward, this keeps happening, we keep not doing anything about it, what are we, so so that was sort of where it started was, was I just I just sort of had to do it for myself and then as I sort of dug in more, I, I found sort of you know, that it was, it was turning into a larger project and, and turning into a book and turning into something that that I felt that about I don't know about uniquely suited to talk about. I, I definitely don't know that I, I think I'm the first person I would talk to about the issue of gun violence. I'm yeah. not you know, I'm I'm not a survivor of gun violence. I haven't um uh I haven't witnessed any any serious gun violence in my lifetime, um, thankfully. And I, you know, uh I, I don't come from a place where where that sort of was very was very present around me, but Again, I'm from Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut is sort of where 
the gun industry in America started, mm-hmm. sort of historically, yeah. uh, there was a, there was a period where Connecticut was known as the arsenal of democracy, uh, right? It's where <laughs> wow, yeah, it's like where cult and and all those sort of people like that yeah. sort of. Uh, either came from or started their factories. Yeah. There was a, there was, you know, the huge gun manufacturing industry um, in, in Connecticut. Um, and, you know, the other piece of it, right, is like there's, I have family, right, who are uh, very protective, let's say, of their Second Amendment rights. Um, I, I, grew up around people who own guns and who uh, feel very entitled to their right to own guns. And, uh, you know, um, that was, I think, another piece of, you know, sorting out my feelings around my family and, and their, their sort of connection to, um, to that side of, of, of the debate was another piece of it. And then the other thing too is like, is like, you know, I'm a, I'm like a, I'm like a young like I'm a, like I'm a young man. I grew, like I was I was raised as a as a man in this country. So of course I had an obsession with weapons from a pretty early age, yeah. right? Like I I played with toy guns. I um, I I you know I talk about this in the book. I used to collect sticks as, as a kid for lots of reasons. Um, <laughs> like uh, uh, but but one of the the ways in which that sort of stick collecting habit took form was I would collect sticks that were shaped like guns that looked Got like it. guns. Yeah, yeah. I would turn them in my brain right in my playing pretend like my imagination I would turn it into this you know this is a weapon. Um, and right why would I do that? and and looking back on that right like a, a, as a as an adult more I, I was really trying to untangle like why I was raised in a way, like, and and it wasn't I, again. It wasn't my parents. Like my parents were not uh, at all <laughs> uh, uh, like I- I- endorsing of, of violence, and they I think they tried very hard to shield me from a lot of that, and yeah. and uh, and did the best they could. But right, you grew up in this country, and you learn, particularly as a man, yeah. right, that violence is the way that you have power. It's the way you have identity. I think for a lot of people, it's the way they find community is, mm-hmm. is centered around uh, instruments of violence and, and you know, in, engagement with violence. There should be an album cover, by the way. I mean, album name, <laughs> Instruments of Violence. Instruments of Violence. Yeah, that was, yeah, it sounds like some sort of metal, metal album. Yeah. For it. No, I, I, I think, and, and I think that was a thing I was thinking about too, is, was, you know, so often I think the conversation around gun violence, right, it's, it, it, it's always centered around these sort of mass shootings that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we tend to particularly sensationalize it and talk about it when it's kids. Um, and, uh, and you know, the other, the other, I think the other major piece for, for me in terms of being inspired was w- to, to work on this and, and feeling like I had a connection and a, and a, uh, an impulse to, to write about gun violence was when I was in my freshman year at Emerson, I was in a production of a play called Columbinus, which is about the Oof. Columbine massacre. Um, it's middle it, school for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, and that was a huge learning experience. Uh, and, and it was, you know, a very difficult show to be a part of for a bunch of reasons, right. but, but it was, you know, we learned, a, I learned a lot about that, that event. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, there, I, in, in some ways we, you know, we portrayed it happening. Yeah. Like we, so, so there was a, an extent to which, as an actor, I, I sort of had to, to live through it or put myself in the place right. of, of someone in that situation. And so that was another thing that, that I was thinking about. And, you know, the focus that we put on, right, on, on big mass shootings, particularly in schools, particularly uh, schools full of white children, right? Uh, Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, uh, you know, uh, 
and then even some of the shootings that have happened more recently this this past year, um, uh, I feel like there there is a tendency to sort of sensationalize that, right? And, and a lot of fur gets brought up around it, and everyone is sort of like, "Oh gosh, this is so terrible! How could this have happened? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, this is how, how you know how can this be happening in this country? Um, this is not who we are. This is not know? this yeah. is not who we are. And I I, I <laughs> that rhetoric. Uh, particularly when it was happening this year uh, around some of the shootings that are happening, just uh, incenses me to no end because the the evidence is very clear that it absolutely is who we are. And not only, again, it's like focusing on these big mass shootings when 320, I think, people die. I think it's like 320 people get shot every day in this country. Uh, You know, and, and thousands of people die every year from, from guns. Uh, You know, gun violence is not a thing that happens with these big mass shootings where it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a regular, it's a constant yeah. in this country, right? Particularly in impoverished communities, particularly in, in, in uh, places where, uh, where, you know, people don't have, have resources. Um, and I think that was, that was another sort of big realization for me and a real big thing to unpack in terms of working on the book was in terms of, okay, how can we, how can we frame this issue and how can we talk about this issue? Not as right. This, this sort of weird aberration that happens, right? Like, uh, and 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 a sort of like horrible tragedy, like a terrorist attack, like a big disruption in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but rather look at it as a thing that is ingrained yeah, yeah. in us, ingrained in our history, ingrained in how we are conditioned, how how kids are conditioned in this country, um, and how we're all complicit in it. Right? Like yeah. I I I, th- I thought I think a lot about. I, I think that was another big piece of the process for me was right. Like I, the shootings horrify me, and I. I am, uh, you know, I I I I, I have a lot of uh, emotion connected to to when they happen, and and uh, it, it, there are horrible horrible tragedies, and I I feel very powerfully that they have to stop, and yet I'm still addicted to the idea of violence, right? Like I I still have a thing that was that was trained into me yeah. that feels like oh you know if I have a gun. Right, it's in it's in the movies we watch. It's in all sorts of media. It's 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 in a lot of the messaging we send to people, um, very young and, and constantly. Right, like if you got a gun, then you're safe. You're protected. Yeah. You have power. Um, uh, and I think that I think a lot of the time about that um, that Nas song I gave you power, where he's like describing, where he's like rapping from the perspective of a gun. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the sort of the chaotic nature that that violence brings when we feel when, 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 right when so much work has been put into making us feel and believe uh, that it w- that it will actually make us safer that it will actually somehow secure us right like people who talk about you know after kind of, after these school shootings happen right like oh the teachers need to be armed <laughs> as if that will yeah, you know yeah. as if as if you you know as if that will sort of reduce. Uh, instances of violence when there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that that's true, and there's actually quite a lot of evidence to suggest the opposite. Um, so yeah. that was, I think, all of I think all of those things sort of, uh, you know, led into into why I, I felt really moved uh, to to write about it. And then it became a thing of right, like I, 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 you know, I wrote enough poems, and I was like, okay, this is turning into like a thing. This yeah, is turning yeah. into a a capital P project, and I. You know, then again, like I said, like I was at Emerson at the time, Wild Press. One of the things that's that's great about them as as like a home for the book, um, and part of the reason I like I sort of 
wanted to submit it to them and, and have it published to them was that they, uh, all the proceeds, again, go to charity. Yeah. I didn't really feel like with this project it was a thing that I wanted to, to like, make money off of for myself. Sure. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to, you, you, you know, because I, because another thing that I sort of concluded in the, in the course of working on it, another thing that, that I was sort of thinking about a lot was, right, was like, what's the purpose of art in terms of dealing with political issues, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is the purpose of art in moments like this? And, and can my art do anything? And, and, and does this book make any sort of real difference in terms of uh, making things better? And I, I think that art is necessary um, to these kinds of conversations, I think I think we have to make art that that talks about it, and 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 there has to be art in order for things to get better. But art on its on its own is insufficient, right? Like right. It, it, in the same way, right? That th- that this is where the title comes from. That thoughts and prayers are insufficient, right? At the end yeah. of that, that's where the ti- that's what the title sort of takes itself from, right? After all of these shootings, people always talk about like, oh, we're sending thoughts and prayers to the victims, <sighs> and it's like that's great, like that's yeah. I, I, th- that's not a bad thing that you're doing that, prayers but that is not a, but that is not enough. It's yeah. just not enough. It's yeah. not going to keep. It's not going to bring their kids back. It's not going to bring their family members back. It's not going to untraumatize. It's not going to untraumatize anyone. It's not going to 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 break the sort of you know long ingrained cycles in this country um, of violence from from being shifted, and you know, and, and we and we can't change those things. We can't break those cycles until we we're able to look at ourselves and acknowledge the fact that yeah. again. Like you, like you were saying, gun violence. It's 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 such an American. It's it is a uniquely American uh, issue. I, yeah. I I you know I'm I, I pe- people come here from other countries and and are horrified and yeah, astonished like, by how like, much gun violence what? there is. How many guns do you guys have? It's yeah, and it is a very like it's a thing that's very particular to us. And part of the reason it's very particular to us is that like the U.S. has a very like violent history yeah. as a country, right? We I, I I have some poems in the book where I'm I, I write about right like the Revolutionary War and I, I write about sort of early instances of uh, you know I I, I think yeah, I think gun violence is about as in, ingrained in this country. Uh, as as like the 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 repercussions of gun violence and and guns being such a prominent thing in this country are just as ingrained in the U.S. as as as, as things like slavery are or patriarchy, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and and. I think a lot of people want to think that oh it's you know oh that's this is past. that's a weird right th- it's a weird thing that this happened oh this was a really this was yeah. a very specific bad instance right when someone uh, gets and, and and I mean in the case of of racism in this country right like. Gun violence and racism are, are tied very closely, right? Like a lot of the gun violence that happens in this country is is uh, black people being murdered by police officers, for example, yeah. uh, or or uh, in, within black communities, people being murdered by each other. Yeah. And I think that a, a, and a lot of the rhetoric surrounding surrounding that also gets very tiresome whenever whenever things like this happen and people are like, well, look at Chicago. What? So so so, let's let's stop there. Let's stop there because that's it's we're we're gonna go into it, and I know we're gonna go into yeah, it because no, it's a I'm, lot. I'm, it's I'm a starting lot. to rant. I just like I think it's I I just think uh, to sort of sum it up. I just yeah. I just think that there's a lot of ways in which we as a country need to take yeah. we need to we need to take accountability for for the fact that these problems are more ingrained and more systemic yeah. um, than than we've been. Then we act like they are, um, and that was a big part of uh, untag- untangling that sort of thing within myself. I think was a big was a big thing that mattered for me in terms of of, of writing the book. Um, yeah, and, and I appreciate you really really breaking that down because I think it is important to understand what goes into it, and um, 
And thank you for putting that together, too, because it's a lot to process, obviously. Mm. You have feelings. You're very, very, very passionate. I don't know if is the word, because I think passion <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a different word, but it's a clint akin to that, that that is something that's important to you, having conversations around that and having awareness around that is important. So thank you yeah, for no. putting that together. No, I'm, I'm passionate about it for sure. And I, and I just feel like, I mean, I don't have all the answers is the no. other thing. It's like, I think that's the other thing that's important. At least it's, it's a conversation. Like, yeah, I, I, I wanted to have something that would start a conversation and allow me to have conversations with other people. And, I, you know, there, there are ways that I feel, I, I feel differently now in a lot of ways than when I wrote the book. I, yeah. you know, that came out in 2019 and um, certain stuff in it has, has stayed distressingly relevant. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went out and started doing readings again this year, um, shortly after Uvalde and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And just, be- just because I felt like it was it was time, uh, and and I, I felt like like I had to sort of try and contribute to to sort of the energy that was built yeah. around it, but um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's stuff in there that's remained distressingly relevant, and then there's other things where I'm like, maybe I don't I don't know if I feel this way anymore, or I'm not as sure as I maybe was when yeah. I wrote the book about this. Um, and I wasn't a whole lot, a whole lot sure when I wrote the book in the first place. And so again, just again, generating those those conversations and having those questions that can that can push us towards better solutions, either individually or or I would love at a larger level. <laughs> uh, that that that's that matters a lot to me. So I think that's I think that's a good spot for us to kind of wrap on the real questions. And mm-hmm. I want to go into some rapid rapid fire questions, and then us we we wrap up for the day. So, for sure. Uh, so the, the key of the rapid fire ones, brevity is key here. We always want to, um, you know, don't overthink it either. Cause mm-hmm. that's another thing that people do. People get caught on like, what kind of peanut butter do I like? So the first one I got, do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents. Yeah. Like just ones you don't really talk about, but just like, yeah, I can really juggle. I'm really good at juggling. I am extremely good, um, at specifically Google Pac-Man. Do you know like the yeah, like the little Google Doodle that has like a like Pac-Man yeah. that they did for Pac-Man's universe, like anniversary like many many years ago? I I am incredibly good at it. I, I've I've been able to to r- reach uh, levels on that 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 I think the average person perhaps hasn't, <laughs> nice. uh, or or at least that that are, I I I am I am much better than that that I really ought to be considering all the other stuff I ought to be doing. <laughs> what is your favorite place to grab a bite in Philly? Oh, in Philly? Yeah. That's tricky because I don't because I'm I'm sort of in and out of the city. I don't I, I don't live like directly in Philly. So I'm I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that question. Um, I would. Well, I'll say there there is a there's a there's a restaurant for the sake of brevity. There's a restaurant uh, on the main line in Bryn Mawr mm-hmm. called Fellini's that it, it's like an Italian restaurant that me and my partner uh, sort of found when we moved here and, and, uh, it it is, it is a special place. I will say (laughs) I like the food is good. The food is good, but you really got to go for the interior decor. You got to go for like the vibe. It is, it is, it is, they've got like, I don't even know how to describe it. They've got like sort of Roman-esque statues and Christmas lights and <laughs> cake boxes and somehow it all works on sense. the inside. It's it's just a very like particular immaculate vibe. Sometimes they have live music in there. It's a it's and and it's also like one of those places that you could tell it's very much like a family owned, yeah. like local sort of place. So yeah, I, I like I like Fellini's a lot. Shout out to them. So this is the last question and this was the one I said that was gonna be ridiculous. Oh okay. <laughs> so um I, you know, saw that you have had a background in sword fighting. Right? I uh, do. So, 
how do you, have you ever ever settled an agreement with a rapier? An agreement and a disagreement. I, I've, Sorry, I've never settled it. Well, I, not literally. No, I mean I. So it's for, for context, I, I <laughs> from the age of eleven, uh, I, I I started fencing when I was eleven. I I. I my my partner also fences like I I I I have been trained in a number of sort of forms of sword fighting some sort of like what you see in competitive fencing and some a little more archaic yeah. um, like rapier and dagger for sure um, I've never um, yeah I've never settled an agreement <laughs> with a rapier and dagger I don't think I've ever had a had a like a real fight but I I will say I di- and this sort of connects to thoughts and prayers I because I actually. That you know, that was another thing I sort of grappled with was like my my love of weapons via sword fighting. Um, I I I write about that in the book, and I write about um, you know uh, being given a rapier um, by my uncle, who uh, is a big gun enthusiast, um, and who like I I would say I have a complicated relationship with that and with him, um, but but he gave me this rapier as a present. Um, and then I, there's a different poem that I wrote that didn't end up being in Thoughts and Prayers, but that was published recently by a, by a, a group called the, the Under Review, by like, a, like an online magazine that sort of focused specifically on sports-related mm-hmm. writing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'll submit some fencing poems. Uh, but I wrote this poem that was about me fencing him at a family Christmas gathering. Oh like he had brought some fencing gear that yeah. he had found in like a used door and he was like, do you want to do a bout? And, I, and then I like fought him on the driveway. Um, and he, I mean, from his perspective, goodness, I hope he doesn't hear this. I, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, he doesn't even know about the book, so that's like a whole other thing. But like it, it, from his perspective, right, yeah. like it was a fun sort of thing to do. For me, I think it felt a bit more, it was a bit more complicated yeah. when we were having that, that bout. And I, 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 yeah, and I sort of explore that in that poem. So if, if people want to go check that out, you can. <laughs> so, so with that, um, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. Thank it's you so much been, for having me. This was been, really fun. It's been a treat to chat. And um, for the folks um, interested, could you share um, where they can find you at online, social media, website, all that good stuff? The floor is yours. Absolutely. Uh, y'all can follow me. Um, my, my website where sort of most of my work is, is onelfic.com. Uh, I need to update that, actually. I need to go. <laughs> I have some new head- headshots I need to put in there. Um, uh, but, but you can find, like, most of my writing and, and most of my work on there. Um, on social media, I'm at onelfic, uh, O-W-E-N-E-L-P-H-I-C-K, on both, like, Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you're interested in following my music specifically, uh, which I have like separate social media accounts for just because it keeps it simpler. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm at OE in poetry. Yeah. Um, cause I go by OE when I'm rapping. Nice. Um, so it's at OE in poetry. And, and if y'all want to follow me and check me out again, I, I, I don't know, I don't know when this is going to come out, but, but I, I do have an album coming, uh, later this year. I'm very excited about that. Uh, got a lot of other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Hopefully. Um, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's that's most of it. Um, I'm also on Goodreads. If anyone wants to follow me on Goodreads, <laughs> I work in a bookstore and I love books. So if anyone wants to follow me on Goodreads and check out my my like reading adventures, you can do that. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. For Owen Elphick, I am Rob Lee, saying that there's art, culture, writers in and around your neck of the woods. You just yes. gotta look for them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.